tune of Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. So let's stand up and let's sing this song, Another Year of Stoning. Friday. 
It's, uh, we didn't do one last year because of an actually change in pastoral, pastoral care. And, and uh, but we wanted to get it good this time. And so in February, we're going to do our annual uh, Faith Promise Weekend. I hope um, if you don't know anything about um, Faith Promise, come and learn about it. And uh, it will, it's a great spiritual um, uh, time in our lives that we utilize it. Week from tomorrow, that right now, that's not right. January 29th. Those who need grace place workers, and there is a sign up sheet somewhere. No, there's not a sign up sheet. There will be a sign up sheet. We need you to sign up. We need workers for that time. This is always a time that we go to Grace Place and we share with uh, those less fortunate. And we feed them, and uh, usually they have about 300 to come through there uh, in the two hours that we're there. So please make that <coughs> Guest house singing is next Sunday.
to start the next phase of her journey, so I'm sure she'll appreciate continued prayers uh, for travel savings, if nothing else, but that <laughs> she's got to keep those roads off between here and Shreveport, but also that everything goes well with her treatment. Uh, and then we have a multitude, I, I'm not even going to try to name everyone that's not feeling well, but I do want to especially mention the care, uh, Mitchell sisters. Uh, Carrie is the one that's the sickest, and they, you know, they don't get to come in town very often, and uh, so, you know, they're a little bit disappointed they can't be here today to say hello to everybody. They were here Wednesday night, and hopefully um, we'll get to see them one more time, but we'll have to wait and see what their schedule's like. So continue to remember them that they have a chance to get mended and well before they have to travel back to Kentucky. Um, we have those who are traveling. Um, we have some special unspoken requests. Um, so let's just go to the Lord in prayer, okay? Father, it is with grateful hearts that we come to you this morning. Lord, wow, 2023, what a year, what a year. For some of us, it's been a lot of challenges health-wise, a lot of uh, heartache. But Lord, even in the midst of everything, you are always good, and we are so thankful that you are a good God that loves us and that you walk with us each step of the way. And Father, as we look forward to 2024, Lord, we don't have an idea. We don't have a clue what you've got planned. We don't know what's going to happen in our lives. Uh, we may have an inkling of some of the things that you uh, that are coming before us, but we don't know how it's all going to come together, but you do. And Lord, we know that whatever happens, it's going to be good because you're going to be with us and you're going to teach us things that we need to learn from these experiences. It's going to teach us to draw closer to you. It's going to teach us to trust you more. So, Lord, we want to thank you for all that you have done for us. Lord, as we travel through the next few days and say we've finished Advent, and now we're into what the Christmas season really means. And that is preparing um, our hearts and minds for what you ultimately came to earth to do, and that was to die on a cross for our sins. So Lord, as we leave Christmas behind and look forward to uh, Easter, Lord, I pray that we would use each day to spend a little bit of time just reflecting on what a great love you have for us. Lord, I pray you continue to be with um, um, our church family. Lord, as we make preparations for this new year, that you would give us wisdom and direction in all that we do. I pray that you be with our pastor, Lord, as he leads this flock, that you give him the wisdom and the strength that he needs. Lord, and we pray especially that you be in the service today, that you would just anoint him on high, and the words that are spoken will be words that we can um, cherish in our heart and ponder in the upcoming week. We just give your name the praise and the glory forever. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. You may stay seated.
frankly, last night I didn't know if I was going to be able to be up here this morning. But I pushed through and uh, told Lynn this morning, the more I'm up, the better I feel. So uh, it's one of those things. Hey, I, I, I felt like it was really important for me to be there because today, um, this is uh, the last day of the year. And this is my first New Year's Eve with you. Sometimes we wonder, um, what's the thing about going to church and being in church, the importance of it? And I just make it a uh, priority in my life. I'm going to be in church unless I'm dying. And um, I'll try not to infect anybody. Uh, but I want you to know why I'm here. I, I have a burden. As I was preparing uh, for this message this morning, I thought, you know, I, I, I probably need to remind them why I'm here. You know, I, I, God, has, God has chosen me and led me here to disciple you all. I don't know about you, but that's the most important thing. Jesus told his disciples, go make disciples. And that's our call. That's my call, is to make disciples. And the only way we can make disciples is when we come together and we study God's word together. And we acknowledge each other and we fellowship with each other and it is my goal. I am probably not the greatest preacher in the whole world. I'm not probably the greatest teacher in the whole world. But I tell you what, I'm committed to discipling God's people. And getting into the Word of God and letting the Word of God become a part of our life. And that's what I desire for each one of you as uh, parishioners. For you to grow to hunger and thirst for the things of God that we may measure up and be that vessel God wants us to be. Well, enough for that advertisement. So I will go into what I wanted to share this morning. And I've entitled it 2024. Are you the one who is to come? When we live this year in 2023, we cannot imagine what's going to be taking place in 2024. We have no idea what tomorrow may hold. Alabama may win the championship this week. Maybe LSU can have time next year, but not this year. But I, I, I asked somebody if they had the fever this morning. They said, no, I don't have any fever. I said, you don't have roll time fever? Oh, yeah, I've got it all the time. Hey, we don't know what next year's going to hold. Hey, this year, we got a, 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 a political election that some has said will tear the literal fabric out of our nation. That's not something to be excited about. But it's something that we can almost foresee in the future. We don't know where our economy's going. Some say it's going up. Others say it's going down. Who really knows? We just don't know. We don't know if we're going to be sick, whether we're going to have a, a, an 
extreme sickness that will strike us. We just don't know when the new year comes. You know what, though? I do know 2024 could be the year Jesus comes back for his church. Amen? That's something to anticipate. Now, I'm not one to pick dates about when Jesus has come because the scripture says that nobody knows. But he says, be ready. Be ready. Well, Charles Dickens, you all know Charles Dickens from A Christmas Carol. I'm sure you all got your Christmas Carol watching in over the holidays. In, this, in the movie uh, written by Charles Dickens, Ebenezer Scrooge is faced with three ghosts. There's the ghost of Christmas past. There's the ghost of Christmas present. And finally, the ghost of Christmas of the future. And when the ghost of Christmas future came and confronted Ebenezer Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge responds, somehow I think that the ghost of the future is the one I fear the most. Did you say that this morning? And the ghost takes Ebenezer into the future. And it shows him his life after his death. It revealed who Ebenezer Scrooge was. His legacy. Would anybody miss him? Sometimes uh, we always want to know, will we be missed when we're gone? I hope you'll miss me. As I miss you. It may seem inappropriate to talk this morning about broken dreams and disappointments this close to Christmas. But this Christmas year is not jolly for everybody. For those who have lost loved ones in this past year, many of you. Perhaps it's the loneliest time of the year. In a world that glorifies materialism, those who are struggling financially may find it to be most disappointing to not be able to have the things that they need. In our scripture this morning, our friend John the Baptist knew about disappointment. John is in prison. He's looking for a sign, a sign that the long-awaited Messiah had really arrived. John the Baptist is the one who first proclaimed the coming of the Messiah. Though much has happened to John since we last saw him preaching and baptizing people in the wilderness. Now he's in jail. And his heart is cast down. We remember what John the Baptist's message was, don't we? Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And this message was burnt into the very soul and heart of John the Baptist. Now as John preached, he wasn't afraid of his message. He wasn't even afraid to proclaim it to King Herod. And that's why he 
finds himself in jail. There's one thing that John wanted to know before he died. There's some things you want to know before you die. John wanted to know something before he died. He wanted to know beyond a shadow of a doubt if Jesus was really the Messiah. Can you blame him? He'd given everything he had, including his dreams. And in the wilderness, John had believed Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. But in the face of certain death, John had some doubts. He wanted to know for sure. So he sent some of his followers to Jesus and asked him, Are you the one who is to come? Or are we to wait for another? You see, John the Baptist found himself in a predicament. A time of disappointment. Things were not working out the way that he had expected. And you know, sometimes that happens in our life. Things don't work out like we expect them to. A few years ago, there was a song, popular song, that said, If we make it through December. Some of y'all may know that. Want to sing it? Barbara, you want to sing it? That. It was December now for John the Baptist. He was hurting in Herod's prison. He was hurting physically. And he was hurting emotionally. And he was gripped with disappointment. Let me give you three reasons that John asked this question. Number one was, John was disappointed first of all because he had different expectations of what a Messiah would do and look like. He was a product of his time. He expected the same kind of Messiah everyone else expected. One who would drive out the despised Romans, establish the kingdom of God on earth. And while he was in prison, John must have wondered why more wasn't happening in his kingdom, he proclaimed. What's the Messiah waiting for, perhaps, was his question. He must have thought, it, thought to himself time and time again, where is this Messiah that I proclaim? Why didn't he drive the Roman dogs out? You see, John the Baptist, perhaps, was disappointed because of his faulty expectations. Well, did y'all get what you wanted for Christmas? Did y'all get what you expected for Christmas? Some of us may have gotten nothing but our two front teeth. But even for some of you, that's good. And what? <laughs> I remember uh, a, a Christmas present that was for me, it was wrapped up as a big old present one year when I was a little kid. And they put that that present under the tree uh, probably two or three weeks before Christmas Eve. You know, that's really hard on a young guy. And you go up and you inspect it. You may even pick it up and 
rattler? Not once, but every day. See, what else you can figure out it is. And then when it comes time to finally open it, we get disappointed because it's not what we thought it was going to be. So it was in the life of John the Baptist. What did he imagine this Messiah was going to be? Centuries before, there was a prophet named Isaiah, and Isaiah prophesied about what would take place when the Messiah would arrive. Isaiah said, the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame shall leap like a deer. Those weren't the signs John was looking for. He was looking for something more dramatic. He was looking for thunder and lightning. How's our expectations of what God, where God fits into our life? Where's our expectations of how we think it should be? And how it should be what God desires? The second reason John was disappointed was that he was looking for the wrong signs. We love looking around and said, hey, that's God thing. Well, that's a God sign. Uh, maybe it is according to your definition, but perhaps it's not God's definition. We have a servant God who is almighty, all-omnipotent, all-wise, perfect in every aspect, and he made the creation, and he is the Alpha and Omega beginning and the end. And he knows what is right. We don't. Our mind is cluttered sometimes. There was a man by the name of Charles Corral. Some of you may know him. Some of you with gray hair or with no gray, no hair at all. Charles Corral was a guy that traveled for a, a television network and he would look up uh, human interest stories. And Charles Corral, one time as he was traveling across the United States, he found what looked like a Christmas tree growing in the most unlikely place in the Rockies. You all know that when you go to mountains, there is a tree line, right? Trees can't grow up there because of the soil, because of the weather. But somehow, Charles Corral, as in his travels, he's driving around up on top of one of these mountains and he finds this little tree. He said he won't sell nothing if you grow up here. Certainly not trees. But on this highway, without another tree in sight, today grows that juniper tree. Charles Corral goes on to say, nobody remembers who did it. But someone always puts up Christmas ornaments on that tree. Why? Because it's a miracle. And they don't know who puts those Christmas ornaments on there. But the tree has been redecorated every year. Nobody knows who does it. But each year by Christmas Day, the tree has become a Christmas tree. The tree, which has no business growing here, has all survived against the odds. 
People who live miles away in all directions know and love this tree. Just looking at this tree. Just looking at it makes you think how unexpected life on earth can be. The tree is so lonely, so brave, that it seems to offer courage to those who pass it. And that's the Christmas message. That there is life and hope even in a rough world and even into 2024. See, those aren't the kinds of signs that impress people. We want greatness from God. We want God to work miracles in our life. That's not always God's way. God chooses to work in the little insignificant places of life, like in your notes of this, the manger. Who would have ever expected the Messiah to come in a manger? A carpenter shop. Who would have ever expected the Messiah to be learning a trade beside his father Joseph? And my goodness, who would have ever thought that God would use a cross? A cross to save humanity. The third reason John was disappointed was that John the Baptist put God on a timetable. Now, I know that none of you have ever done that. But John the Baptist put, put God on a timetable. You see, John wanted action now. He had served his time. He served his ministry. But we can understand we try to put God on our timetables. He better act by this day or else. But you know God who's in charge of all nature. He can take his own sweet time. He did it for 2,000 years or many thousands of years when he had the prophets preaching about the Messiah coming in the Old Testament. Oh, he took his blessed sweet time to bring that baby to the manger, didn't he? God doesn't work according to our time schedule, but according to his. And sometimes he doesn't appear to be working at all. But I want to show you this morning, God is at work. God is at, alive. God is still omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing. God was not working according to John the Baptist's timetable, but he was working. The fact that we celebrate the life of John the Baptist 2,000 years later is proof that John's ministry was very important to the coming of age of Jesus Christ. How about you this morning? Is your life filled with disappointments because you have unrealistic expectations of what should take place? I, I know I live with a, a wife that has the fix-it-up complex. There's something wrong, she's going to fix it. And if you like that, you wouldn't confess, would you? I mean, she's got an answer for everything. And I try to find, fit into her little boat, and I try to help her fix it. And sometimes I'll say, Lynn, this is the 
beyond you. You can't fix this. And sometimes we want God to fix things in the way that we want them to fix it. In our time frame. There's a kindergarten teacher. You all maybe have heard this. They carefully lined up their four little children for the annual Christmas program. And each cut carried a huge cutout letter. And as they stood side by side, the letters would spell star. But as with little ones, somehow there was a slight mix up that occurred. And those present in the church almost fell out of the pews as the four little performers took their places in reverse. They spelled out rats, <laughs> not star. And that's what happens when we get our priority, priorities out of order. But the star teaches us about expectations, about signs, about patience. God begins with a simple babe and humble surroundings. And he works slowly sometimes. But be reminded he's at work. Don't lose hope. There is joy to the world for the Lord has come. I want to give you two short truths. A truth revealed in our passage today about John the Baptist. When John was in prison, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples. He said, are you the coming one or shall we look for someone else? Even during the worst of times, God is with us. As, I, as I, Isaiah prophesied long before the birth of Jesus, it was no messenger or angel but his presence that saved us. The man by the name of Thomas A. Dorsey. He knew what it was like to find God's presence even in the worst of times. Dorsey is a composer of the world's best known gospel song. But it was written just one week after he experienced two personal tragedies. In August 1932, Dorsey was scheduled to be the featured soloist at a religious service in St. Louis. And because his wife, Nettie, was pregnant, Dorsey had reservations about leaving her behind. Something was telling him to stay, he recalls. Yet commitments had been made and he knew people in St. Louis would be disappointed if he did not come, if he canceled. So Dorsey left for the revival service. During the service the next night in the steaming St. Louis heat, a messenger from Western Union approached Dorsey on the stage with the words, your wife just died. He rushed to the phone, called home, only to hear it confirmed. Nettie is dead. Dorsey quickly returned to Chicago home. There he learned that just before his wife died, she had given birth to a boy. And later that night, the little boy died. 
Dorsey now had to deal with two losses, two funerals. He buried Nettie and his boy in the same casket. And then he fell apart. During this painful time in Dorsey's life, his friends made arrangements for him to use a music school piano. <coughs> Excuse me. There alone with his thoughts and a piano, Dorsey describes what happens. In the midst of his despair, I sat down at the piano, and my hands began to browse over the keys. Then something happened. I felt as though I could reach out and touch God. I found myself playing a melody, one I'd never heard or played before, he says. And words came into my head. They just seemed to fall into place. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. I am tired. I am weak. I am worn. Through the storms, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. <coughs> As we face 2024, would that be your prayer to God? Precious Lord, take my hand. There's so many things we do not know. We cannot comprehend. The Lord, take my hand. The last truth I share is revealed in this scripture that the hope of the world resides in this child, Jesus, whose parents fled into Egypt. All of us have seen the signs, keep Christ in Christmas. And I hope that you've done that this year. There are many people who celebrate Christmas who have no idea at all that Christ is the hope of the world. I've said sometimes that I don't know if I, I don't think I've shared this with you, but my daughter are, and her husband are not religious. They made a pact that they was not going to introduce their children to Jesus. But you know, the Lord always has an idea and a plan. It wasn't too long after uh, he was almost two years old that I walked him down to the park. And on the way back, it was right before Christmas, and the house next to their house had a crèche. And little Cole said, Papa, what's that? I said, oh, that's baby Jesus. Who's baby Jesus? Baby Jesus is God's son, and he loves you. You see, God takes moments like that, even unexpected moments, to reveal his plan. You pray for my daughter and her family. We're going to be going out there later on at the end of February for his fourth birthday. And we're trying to figure out 
present the gospel and let them experience the love of Jesus. It's a challenge. Well, how about you? Are you looking forward to 2024? 2024, are you the one who is to come? And just as sure as 2024 is going to come, probably, I think the chances are pretty high. What will it mean to each one of our lives? <coughs> How will we wrap our lives around? How can we make a difference for Jesus in the year 2024? How can we deepen our commitment, not just to the church, but to Christ himself, who calls each of us to be bearers of the light, shine a light in dark places, I'm about you, but I've been in some dark places. I can tell you some stories that would make your hair stand on, but some of you say some of you've already heard it because your hair is gone. <laughs> but God is good, and I want you to look forward to this year with expectation and with hope and with the opportunity to be that disciple. Lord, we thank you for these moments that we read from God's word. And we find out, Lord, sometimes we're just like John the Baptist. Well, John the Baptist was committed to his message. It didn't turn out all roses for him. And there were some disappointments, just as there's disappointments in our life. There's times of discouragement. There's times of loss of hope. Lord, this morning I pray that as we approach these next hours, as we approach these next hours, Lord, you would awaken us to see the glory of the Lord in the life that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. You stand.
experience God's presence in our life. It's just a joy to see each of you here this morning. Next week, I promise the croak's going to be gone, and maybe I'll be back to my old self. But it's so good to see each and every one. I appreciate all of you. You are important to the kingdom of God. Where, whoever you are, you are important to God's kingdom, and God loves you. And he's got great plans for your life in 2024. May God bless us as we go. As I conclude uh, the service,